We want to welcome you to our Wednesday night. And if this is your first time, thank you so much for being here. I know for many of you, this is where you come together and, and uh, you worship God together. And at the same time, we learn. And so hopefully you brought your Bibles tonight. If not, remember your Bibles. Some of you use it on your electronic gadget or your phone, so it's always handy. It's always with you. But uh, tonight, we're going to be breaking up into our groups in just a moment. In our fellowship hall, you're going to be talking through and learning about your, uh, is it finances in there? Okay, and then in the covered courtyard, you're going to be going, continuing going through the book of Proverbs. I also want to encourage you next week, um, in fact, how many of you were here when we did the Passover uh, with Susie Chun? You, you were here during that week? You, you, okay, some of you may not have been here, but wasn't it rich for those who were here for that Passover, uh, and Susie Chun explaining the Passover and all of that. Well, next week, uh, her and I will be doing a team teaching on uh, Pentecost. And so you might be thinking, Pentecost? What in the world is Pentecost? Well, that's why you need to be here. So it's going to be great. It's going to be a fun time together. But at the same time, we're going to be able to learn and grow together in the Lord. And what it will really do is enrich your walk with the Lord. That's what happened when we talked about the Passover. In fact, when we receive communion now, it's so much different for those who attended the Passover uh, talk that we had. And we're going to be having communion this coming week. So, again, when we, when we learn together the things of God, uh, we get to grow in a, in, a, in a different way, in a way that we grow closer to Him, but at the same time, we grow closer to one another and then with all of that put together, we're able to shine as lights into the world because that's what Jesus asked us to do. In fact, not asked. He commanded us. He said, go into the world and reach people for me. So we want to be able to have his light so that we can shine his light. Okay? Well, for those of us who are going to be in here, you can get your Bibles and open to the book of Luke. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 22. For those of you who are going to be in your other sessions, you can be dismissed right now. And you can do so. And for those of us who are in here, we're going to be continuing in our series, Conquering Everyday Battles. So when you talk about everyday battles, I don't think there's a day where our, our minds and our spirits don't go through a battle. Every single day there's a battle. So tonight I want us to, with all the things that we're going to be talking about, uh, it can get overwhelming or become overwhelming if you start to think about, boy, i got to change a lot of stuff, just pick one. Maybe you can write down a list of things. I want to I do better at this. i got to improve at this. I've been slacking at this. But maybe choose one thing and say, Lord, I really want this to be better in my life. And instead of us being discouraged and saying, boy, I've been, I've been slacking on so many things, the Lord wants to encourage you tonight to say he wants to build you up in the areas that he wants to build up. Because it's going to be his strength. Some time ago, we did jet skiing with a wakeboard in the back. You know, you just hang on to the jet ski for dear life. And you hang on uh, with the, like a little surfboard. And so we were all trying, taking turns and going over and over. And we were at Bayfront. And we're trying to do it. And it's so difficult because there's just a technique that you have to use. And so it took us a while just to figure it out. And so when the jet ski would go, you're on the wakeboard, and it'll pull you, and you fall into the water. And thank God it's slow at that point because you can just fall in the water, and, and you're fine. But then after we got it together, we're all excited because once you get on 
the ocean, once you're on the ocean and you're flying it, you're going pretty fast. Well, I felt like I was going like 80 miles an hour, probably going like 30. I don't know how fast, but it was pretty good. Your legs start to burn. And you're, you're not in condition to do this for a long time as it's bouncing on the waves. And so as you're going, you're burning, your arms are burning, and you, you want to go back already. And it's been like 30 seconds. But you're dying because you weren't built to do that unless you do that for a living or you do that as recreation. What I found out was the joy of that 30-second ride was worth the perseverance of trying to get on the board going in the water. And some of you understand that. You surf. And so you're out there for like three hours, but you catch four waves. But boy, isn't it sweet to be in the water. You persevere for a goal. There's something at the end. For Heidi and I, we've been married for, tw- for 23 years. And we had to decide who's going to make the bed. Because Heidi likes the bed made so that when she comes home, it's made, it's nice, it's neat. I could care less. I'm going to sleep in it. I don't, I don't, my brain doesn't say the bed is messy so I can't sleep. So I'm, I, it doesn't bother me if the bed is not made. It bothers Heidi if the bed is not made. Huh, interesting. God will put two people like that together. Probably in your marriage too. Maybe, maybe not. So we had to decide how are we going to do this. So for years, years we would talk about how come you didn't make the bed. She would, Heidi would tell me, why didn't you make the bed? Why, you, know, I, you know I like the bed nice and neat. I said, why? It's not bothering anyone. When you leave the house, just think it's made. And then when you come home, I'll jump in the bed first. And then you won't even know it wasn't made. She goes, no, but I know it's not made. I know it's not. It's just, it's just uneasy. So I said, okay, we got to figure this out. So we came up with a deal. And I, I told some of you guys before. The deal was whoever sleeps last, whoever is in the bed last, has to make the bed. And it works out great now. Because some days I get up early. And she sleeps in. And so she makes the bed. And some days she gets up early And then I sleep in and I have to make the bed. But it works great. But it took us 23 years. We just figured that out like last last year. It took us that long to get to that place. Now I can look at the past 23 years and how often we would argue about making the bed. But finally, we have persevered to victory. And so now we don't grumble about it anymore. So tonight, that's what we're going to talk about. How to make the bed. That's not the title. But we're going to talk about persevering towards victory. Because here's what happens. Sometimes we think, I just got to persevere. I just got to stay in the game. I got to keep it together. I got to stay strong for my family. I got to maintain the finances. I got to work. I got to make sure this is happening. We persevere, but what's the end result? Do we even have a goal in mind? Do we even have victory in mind? Do we even have hope in mind? Is there something at the end of persevering? Because if we only persevere, we will eventually either give up or run out of strength. If it's just about persevering. But God wants us in conquering everyday battles to persevere towards victory. Heidi and I battled through finances. Who would do the finances? And I remember early in our marriage, I thought I was the one that's going to, I'm going to do it. Because I know better. I graduated from Kailo High School and I know, I know how it's done. So I said, well, let me do the checkbook. I'll do the banking and all of that. 
after about a year or two, we're going backwards. You know, things aren't balancing, and, and there are no receipts to show where we spent things on. We looked at the checkbook, couldn't understand my writing, so I would just guess an eight or a five. So I kind of just rounded it off, and I would round it off to where we're still in the plus. So that way we weren't bouncing checks. The problem with that was it was so off that we didn't even know how we were doing financially. So Heidi said, how about I try? I said, okay, okay. If you think you can do better, then go. And that was early on in our marriage. So she does our finances today because after she did do it for a while, she did a much better job. We battled through it. It took a while. But we finally came to the place of saying, I'm not the person for the finances. Thank God, because we can survive now. Heidi does it, and she does a great job. It took us that long. But we had to persevere towards something. We didn't just say, oh, with uh, arguing about the bed, too bad, uh, arguing about the finances, oh, whatever. We, we came to a place of saying, how are we going to come to a place where we're victorious? How do we persevere towards victory? Where in the end, it's a win-win situation. We're going to find out through Jesus Christ how he persevered through victory. Some of us know the story of the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is before Jesus went to the cross. And before he goes to the cross, he comes before God and he's with some of his disciples. And he goes through a, a, just a, a time, a, a short season, a couple hours of dealing with this battle of going to the cross. Now, some of us may not have heard this story or maybe we've heard of Jesus saying, let your will be done, Lord, not my will. But to truly see what Jesus went through will allow us to see that we too can be victorious as we persevere towards being victorious. Not just saying we're, we're victorious in Jesus, I have victory in Jesus, which is true. But really, when it comes to everyday battles, how do you persevere through it? Or through a season, how do you persevere through that season? Because it seems like it's not, nothing's moving, nothing's happening. I'm trying my very best. I am in the Word of God. I am praying. I am attending church. I'm trying to do the things of God, but nothing's changing. Well, in the book of Luke, chapter 22, Luke records what, has, what happened with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'm going to read it from verse 39. And I'll read to verse 51. And it says, Coming out, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And, it was, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Now I'll pause right there. We learned during that Passover time that what Jesus was saying was, Take this cup of judgment. Or take this cup of suffering from me. Take away, take away what I'm about to go through. Take away the pain, the agony from me. I don't want to go through that. I'm going to drink the judgment cup of the entire world. Can there be another way? So Jesus, even though he was struggling with it, even though he was in agony, he asked the Lord, he asked the Father, can this cup be taken away from me? And then he continues. And this is where the perseverance takes a, a turn. This is where per perseverance has hope. 
and there's victory attached to it, is when we turn that corner, not just saying to God, God, can you remove this? God, can you help me with this? God, can you make this go away? God, can you make it better? God, can you provide? The turn is saying, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer, he had come to his disciples and he had found them sleeping from sorrow. Have you ever been so sorrowful or so depressed that you cried yourself to sleep? That's what was happening with his disciples. They were so sorrowful. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. That was the greeting. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen... They said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And that servant, as we know, or that disciple was Peter. But Jesus answered and said, permit even this. In other words, permit even what I'm about to go through. Permit even me being arrested. Permit even Judas betraying me. Just permit it. Why? Because Jesus was persevering towards victory. He wasn't just persevering for the sake of, I can handle this. I can handle betrayal. I can handle someone backstabbing me. I can handle this. Jesus said, I'm persevering towards victory. He could see the finish line. Therefore, he could persevere through the most difficult time because he could see the end result. And then Jesus touched his ear and healed him. You know what is incredible about this story about Jesus is even though he was going through the most darkest time, one of the most darkest times of his walk, he still never changed who God made him to be. He still was healing. He still was loving. He was still being the person that he always was. See, persevering towards victory doesn't break you. It makes you. And it keeps you moving towards who God made you to be. And what Jesus allows us to learn from him are a couple of things. One is this, to sit with God. That's what Jesus did. When he went off to, that, to the Garden of Gethsemane at the Mount of Olives, he sat before God. He sat before his Father. He didn't sit before something else. He didn't... He didn't just uh, go to another place and just drink it away or, or go to another place and say, we're going to party tonight because I'm going through a depressing thing. He said, no, I'm going to sit with the Father. He didn't go veg out in front of the internet or the TV or just uh, do something that would take his mind off of all the difficult things he's going through. He sat with God. Because he knew that if, if he was to sit with God, he would have everything he needs. And it, may, it, it, it didn't change his circumstance. He was still going to the cross. He was still in agony. But what it did do is give him the strength that he needed to persevere towards victory. God may never change your circumstance, but he will change your heart. Because he has victory ahead. 
And your circumstances may stay the same, but when you change, now you can rise above your circumstances and conquer the battles that happen every single day. The battles can happen every single day, and and the same thing can happen every single day, but because you're persevering towards victory, you're able to conquer those everyday battles. You're able to persevere towards victory. And the things that used to bother you, the things that used to destroy you or pull you down, they don't do that anymore because you're stronger now. Because you're, persever- you're persevering forward. And that's the sport athlete who is, is a sprinter and, and they train for that. Or someone who is a running back and they have to build their legs up for those power pushes as they get off of their, their three-point stance or out of the blocks. They have to get straight out of the starting blocks and they got to go as quick as possible. They need that burst of speed. So they need their quads to be built up. Well, they're going to use some heavy weights to drag behind them so that as they run with it, they're building the right muscles. So when that thing is off of them and the weight is now gone, they can now run to victory. Why? Because they persevered while all the weight was on them. And the same thing with God. When we have all of this weight on us and we're saying, Lord, I'm going to persevere towards victory, then he slowly lifts those weights off. And then now that you're running and you're persevering towards victory, that those weights that try to attach itself back on, it doesn't have any power anymore because you're stronger than what you were before. So it can't attach itself back to you because now you're running for the Lord rather than just running with the weights. And maybe this season is a time to build your spiritual muscles. Who knows? Maybe in this season God is saying, I'm helping you to persevere so that when you're victorious and you look back, You'll understand everything that I was doing in your life. You may not see it now, but you'll see it in time. And then because you're victorious, you're going to be able to look back and you're going to be able to help people who went through the same thing that you went through. But that only happens if you sit before God, not sit before something else, not try something else, not just forget everything and say, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do because I'm going through this but that you sit with God. See, our human nature has a tendency to sit with other things because it's easier to move towards defeat than it is towards victory. Much easier. Much easier to give up. Much easier to make an excuse. Much easier to say, but it's her fault, it's his fault. Much easier to do that and then have the excuse in hand to say, this is my reason that I get to do this. Or we can say, Lord, because of these reasons, I'm going to just put this on the side. I'm, I'm going to sit before you. And I'm going to seek you. That's what Jesus did. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, in those days, when you pray, I will listen. I will listen. If you look for me in earnest, you will find me when you seek me. Now, if you have your Bible or if you're taking notes, just write down the word if. You know, whenever you see an if in the Bible and a promise of God, that means there is something that we are to do to obtain the promise. Because before every promise, there is a premise. There is something that we do in order for that promise to be unleashed. The promise is there. But if we do this, then here comes the promise. So if you look for me in earnest, if you seek after me, then you're going to find me. My grandchildren love playing this game called hide and seek. They love playing this game. And so they'll say, Papa, hide and seek. Let's play hide and seek. 
And so I'll say, okay, am I counting or are you counting? And sometimes I'm going to count, so I count, and I'll count to 25. One time they said, no, you got to count to 26. I'm like, oh, one more second, okay. So I got to look for them. And then when I find them, it's, ah, okay, Papa, you hide. And so I'll hide. But I'll hide in, like, the, the best places. You know, I'm, I'm just that competitive, even with my grandchildren. Too bad. So I'll go and hide, and they can't find me. I'll be, like, in the shower, you know, I'll just close the curtain. And they're scared to go in there because of the light. So they got to turn on all the lights. And they try to find me. But if it's after a long time, Heidi will help them and say, go look here. And I get mad. I'm like, Heidi, stop telling them where I am. They got to look. Even if it takes five hours, too bad. So I'm hiding, and then they find me, and to them, that's a good place to hide. So do you know what they do? Yeah, they hide in the same place. So they say, okay, Papa, you hide. We're going to hide. And they hide right there. I said, I, I know where you are. At least wait till I'm gone. But that's what they do. And every time I change a hiding spot, they'll use that same hiding spot to hide. The whole point to hide and seek is said in the title, you hide and then you seek. The game does, is not fun if you don't do one of them. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work if you don't hide and it doesn't work if you don't seek. Because there are times where I'm hiding and the grandchildren get distracted because of the TV or they see an iPad, 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 and they see it. I'm like waiting and I can hear them not looking for me and I can't call them because they're going to know where I am. So you can't play hide and seek if no one is hiding or no one is seeking. So when it comes to God, he says, you must seek me. And when you seek me, you will find me. You can't have one without the other. You can't have the end result if you drop one of them. You can't have an, the end result of finding God if you don't seek God. It's just not going to happen. That's why when we sit with God, we're able to put things on the side. We're able to seek him out. We're able to look to him rather than to ourselves and our circumstances. Say, when we sit with God, it must be with purpose, on purpose. Because 2 Chronicles 16.9 tells us, The eyes of the Lord search the, the whole earth in order to strengthen those who, whose hearts are fully committed to him. See, Jesus sat with his father often. That's why he was able to persevere. And he did that on purpose, and he did it with a purpose. Luke twenty-two forty-one. 41, we read that. It says, he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. In order to kneel down and pray, you got to do that on purpose. He knelt down and he prayed. The question is, do we sit with God or do we sit with other things? When we're going through a difficult time, do we sit with God or do we just say, God, help me? Do we sit with him? Do we listen to him? Because God is not, he's not just our God. He's our friend. Okay, imagine your best friend or just think of someone you get along with very well. And you're, you're going through a, a difficult time and you said, oh, you know what? Um... Can we meet just for lunch? We just, I just want to just bounce some things off of you and I just need your advice. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, I'll meet you at 12 o'clock. Okay, I'll see you there. You get there, your friend sits down, and then they say, hey, what's up? Oh, I just needed your help. Please help me. And then you left. What would your friend say? What would your friend do? What can they do? 
Or if you sat with your friend, you say, okay, this is happening. And you went maybe about a half an hour of saying, yeah, you know what, my marriage is terrible, my kids are terrible, my parents are terrible, my job is terrible, my finances are terrible, la, 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 la. 30 minutes later. So everything's just terrible. Okay, hey, thanks for meeting with me. I'll see you later. Thank you so much. Your friend would be dying. Your friend would be just sitting there thinking, so that's it. You dump everything on me and that's it. I actually had some advice for you. I actually had some money for you. I actually had a brand new car to give you. I actually had some time to spend with you. I had something, but after all of that, you just left. And I wonder if we do that with God. We sit before God and we say, okay, God, here it is. And then we unleash everything and then we figure, ah, God understands. And then we, we're done. And God is saying, oh, I, I was just about to bless you with this. I was just about to give you advice. I was just about to show you in my word. I was just about to provide for you. I was just about to do this. But you got up and you left. And I wonder if God is allowing us, as we worshiped earlier, to understand what it means to be still and know that he is God. Hard to sit still. Hard to sit still. I, I, I think everyone, to some degree, spiritually, may have some type of hyperactivity disorder. We may have. We may have. We just cannot sit still. I just try to do that exercise at home. Not right now because you probably can. But just go home and just be still. Just try a short period, 30 seconds, and just sit still. And just listen for God and say, God, can you just speak to me right now? And just ask. Yeah, the kids will be running. They'll probably be jumping on your back. Your husband or your wife might be saying, I'm hungry. Or let's go out. Or let's do something. Or some TV might be on. But can you, just for 30 seconds, just try to sit with God. Because his eyes move to and fro throughout the entire earth, looking for hearts that are his, that he may strongly support it. Here's the second thing. To go with God. Not just sit with God, but go with God. See, when, when you go with God, it's, you gotta, you got to have some action to it. Sitting is important. But what may happen is, you may feel like sitting is just, it's, you're not doing anything. You're not persevering because you're not going anywhere. But in order for you to go with God, you got to sit with God so you know where you're going with God. He wants to take you places. I've made the mistake after sitting with God to not go with God. I, 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 I didn't go with God. I went back to my old ways. Instead of sitting with God and then when God gives me his, his wisdom and advice and, and through his word, he gives me strength. Instead of going with God and saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do different. I'm going to go with you. I go back to my old ways. God says, why spend all of that time and energy if you're just going to go back to your old ways? Yeah, but I just cannot do it. It's so hard, Lord. It's so, there's so many temptations. It's so, it's so easy to just fall back. And he, he understands. That's why he says, you're going to have to go with me. Not just know about me you got to go with me. In other words, I will be with you every step of the way. It's not just you hear me and then that's it and then hopefully it work out, works out. No, you're going to go with me. You're going to walk with me. You're going to persevere with me. It's a relationship. Religion says give me the rules and I'm, i got to apply that in order for my life to work. Relationship says there's no possible way I can keep to all those rules. 
So God, can you just walk with me? Because if you're walking with me and I with you, when those temptations come up, I'm going to look at the temptation, I'm going to look at you, and Daddy said no, so no. And I'm just going to keep walking so that I can persevere through the temptations. If not, this is where depression sets in. Because I'm depressed because I cannot. I'm depressed because I, I can't get out of the rut. I'm depressed because I keep falling back in my old ways. I'm depressed because why isn't it working? I'm depressed because I feel like God isn't there. So it's a low-grade depression. You're not clinically depressed. You're just in a low-grade depression. But if you go with God every step of the way, then you're going to see the blessings along the way, and you're going to feel the strength along the way in your spirit. In fact, that's what happened when the, when the Israelites were coming out of slavery. They were coming out of Egypt. They were such a stubborn people, and they kept going back to their old ways that God says, you know what, if you keep doing that, I can't go with you lest I destroy you. Moses, in fact, in Exodus 33, verse 15, he says, well, if, if you don't go with us personally, then don't let us move a step from this place. If you don't go with us, how will anyone ever know that your people and I have found favor with you? How else will they know we are special and distinct from all the other people on the earth? See, God, we, we must go with God and God with us. It's a relational walk that we have with him. Our heart should say the same thing. Lord, if I am not with you and you with me, I am not going to move a step. That if we're not in this together and I'm not cooperating with you, I'm not going to move yet. I'm going to sit with you until I get it and understand. And now I can move with you. Why? Because I understand that it's with you. It's not by myself. I love Abraham Lincoln's farewell address in in February 1861, and he reads this, and he says this, Unless the great God who assisted Washington shall be with me and aid me, I must fail. But if the same omniscient mind and mighty arm that directed and protected him shall guide and support me, I shall not fail. Let us all pray that the God of our fathers may not forsake us now. You know what Abraham Lincoln was saying? If God is not with us, then we must fail, lest we become successful in our own eyes and keep doing what we've been doing to stay successful in our own eyes. Listen very carefully. Even the devil can cause you to be successful in your own eyes. He can make it seem like you're being successful. Well, how do you know? you got to go with God. you got to sit with God. Because God will tell you otherwise. He's going to let you know, okay, this is not of me. This is of me. We must fail if God is not with us, lest we become successful without God, which is unsuccessful. You got to go with God and sit with him. Luke 22, verse 42, Jesus says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus could persevere because he, he sat with his father, but he didn't move until your will be done. Not my will. Your will be done. Notice Jesus always 
said before he prayed to the Father, before he encountered any reason to sit and pray, before any obstacle came his way, he would say to himself, I need to go to a lonely place and pray. Jesus didn't wait for the cross before he was nailed to the cross or while he was being nailed to the cross or while he was being arrested or while he was being betrayed or while he was being beaten or mocked to pray to his father. Now, he did pray on the cross, but he didn't wait for the most difficult time to pray. He often went to a lonely place and prayed. Before he went to the cross, he sat with the Father. Sometimes we wait for everything to go bad, and then we sit with God. And God says, now you're just praying to get out of the situation rather than for the strength beforehand when you encounter the battles and the situation. In other words, let's be a proactive people and go with God because the most difficult times in our lives Even though we may think, oh, that has passed. We may encounter another one. It may not be the most difficult time, but it may be a battle. And we should be a people that says, I'm not going to wait till we're in the battle to say, God, help me. I don't think any of us, if we were in war, would wait till we get to the battlefield and kind of count the troops and say, how many of you guys get? Like, oh, 730,000 of you guys. Okay, we need some ammo. We need some bombs. We need some backup. We need more than 50 troops. We need some, we need some manpower. You don't wait for the battlefield. You prepare before that because you know you're going to war. Well, we live in a world where every day is a battle. So we sit with God and then we go with God before we encounter the battle. So when we do encounter the battle, we have the ammo. We have the sword of the spirit. We have the shield of faith. We already shot our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We already put over our chest the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. And now we get to say, Lord, we're ready for battle. And you may not even notice the battle that came your way because you were so heavily armed. And you were so readily available with your weapon that it was like a little fly hit you. You're like, well, what did just happen? <laughs> that was the devil trying to attack me. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, that's what the Bible means when, when uh, you assume crush Satan under your feet. But you need to prepare before you go. And that's what Jesus was doing. He prepared so well so that he could encounter the cross. But think about it. Who, whose will do we really contend for? Because Jesus, even though he said, can this happen? Can this cup be taken away from me? He ended it with saying, let your will be done. Here's the last thing. Not just sit before God or sit with God or or. or Go with God, but you got to grow in God. Grow. There is a difference between hearing God and growing in God. There is a difference between reading the Bible, studying the Bible, and letting the Bible read you and study you. There's a difference. We can read the Bible all day, but not change a thing. We can read the Bible, study the Bible so well that we've memorized the scriptures, which are great. 
But if I just close the book and it does nothing in my heart, I don't do anything, I don't put it into action, then faith without works is dead. So we, we must grow in God. We grow in education. We grow in technology. I mean, when you upgrade your phone, if you had not upgraded your phone in five years, you got to learn a lot of stuff. you got to grow in technology. When you get that new remote control and there's like 50,000 buttons and all you want to do is just watch one channel, you got to learn the whole thing. you got to learn technology. you got to learn for some, like teenagers, you have to learn how to drive. For some of us, we still got to learn how to drive. But... You're constantly learning. We're constantly learning something. We're constantly growing. But sometimes our spirits don't grow in Christ. We know Christ, but we don't grow in Christ. And I wonder how much we've been growing in Him, really. Have we been growing in Him? See, we're not able to persevere because we don't know. Sometimes we're, we're not able to persevere because... We just don't grow. We just don't grow in the Lord. We, we know what to do, but we don't apply it. Did you know that fruit trees grow for a purpose of producing something? Now, what, what is the purpose of a fruit tree? What is it supposed to produce? Fruit. Why would you, why would you have a fruit tree in your yard? That you plant for the purpose of fruit and it produces no fruit. And you look at it and you say, but it's a nice tree. Look at the leaves. The leaves are super green. This is a nice tree. I love this tree. But didn't you, didn't you plant it to produce fruit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but look how nice it is. Yeah, but you're dying. You have no food. Yeah, yeah, but look at how nice it is. Look at the trunk. Look how thick the trunk is. I fertilize that bugger every single day. Look how, look how thick it is. Look, you can't even kick it down. It's so strong. Look at the tree. You can shake it. And nothing happens. It's super strong. Super strong tree. Look at how it looks. Look at the leaves. The healthiest looking fruit tree in all of the land. Yeah, but does it produce fruit? No. Then what use is that fruit tree? Remember Jesus cursed the fig tree? That's exactly what he was saying. He's saying, well, there's no fruit on this tree. No sense you grow. And it withered and died. A dead fruit tree is just as good as a no producing fruit tree. It's the same thing. And what Jesus was saying to us was, when you're not producing fruit in your life, something's dead on the inside. He says, I want to bring that spirit to life. Jesus does not create anything that doesn't produce life. He doesn't speak into anything that doesn't produce life. He doesn't, he doesn't encourage us so that we don't produce fruit. He doesn't encourage us and, gives us and give us words so that we don't produce fruit. He wants us to produce fruit. As Galatians 5.22 says, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Are we producing fruit? Are we growing in Christ? Romans 5, 3, and 4 says not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. So the first thing is tribulation. How in the world do you glory in tribulation? Why would anyone be happy about tribulations? 
Why would anyone be happy about a difficult time? Why would anyone be happy about a, a, a season of life that is not going so well? Now, if we did something and we're in a bind, or we did, some, we did something that caused us to be in a stuck situation, or now we're messed up because we made a decision, that's called dealing with the consequences. That's just, it's, it is what it is. got to deal with it. got to work through it. However, there are tribulations that will come your way that you had no control over that you can glory in. Why? Because anytime you're victorious, it, you, must be, you must be victorious from something. There's no victory without battle. How are you going to suit up with a uniform and say, I'm victor, I'm, I'm victorious, I won, I won the game, I won the game. Look at my basketball uniform and I play basketball. And, oh, so who did you win? No, 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 I'm just victorious. Who did you play? Nobody. I was just by myself. Just by myself. I'm victorious. I'm victorious. I got all the gear. I look good. I'm victorious. Well, what battle did you go through? You have all your armor and your sword and everything. I am victorious. I conquered the land. Well, whose land? No one's. I just, by myself. And I, I'm victorious in myself. You looked apart. You act apart. But there was no part. You only can be victorious if there is a problem, a tribulation. That's why there's hope at the end of glorying in tribulation. But it's interesting what is in the middle. Perseverance. You have no victory without perseverance. You have no perseverance if there is no tribulation. So if you are in a time or in a season that you're going through some hard stuff, and it can be personally, it can be family, it can be marriage, children, you can glory in it because you can persevere through it Towards victory. It's not going to be in you. It's going to be in Christ. Without perseverance towards victory, we will never have hope. Never have hope. Have you ever seen those movies where they're trying to escape from prison and they have this big plan and they have a spoon that they're going to dig through the ground and then they're going to, going to head out? They, they do all of that and dig through the ground and they crawl through the small little puka that they, they, they dug and they persevere through 17 years so that they can get on the outside of the wall of prison. That's their goal. They persevere through that, and then they get to the other side, and they're like, we're free. 17 years when they were supposed to only be in there 10 years. <laughs> well, yeah, you persevered. But what's the hope now? Now you're an escaped convict. See, when Jesus sets us free, you will be free indeed. That's the hope that we have in him. Luke 22, verse 46, Jesus says, why are you sleeping, he asked. He said, get up and pray, otherwise temptation will overpower you. He said, get up and pray. In other words, it's time to grow. It's time to go. It's time to grow. It's time to move. No more sleeping, otherwise the battles of life are going to take you over. And he wants us to be spirit-filled so that we can be spirit-led. Otherwise, if we're not filled with his spirit, what's going to lead us? We're only made up of spirit and flesh. If our spirit is not filled, the flesh automatically takes over. It's just by default. We're going to be led by our flesh. When he said to his disciples, get up already. Stop sleeping. Now, they were already fatigued. And Jesus 
Jesus said, get up, lest you fall into temptation. Maybe Jesus was talking about a, a physical sleep. But I think there was a deeper meaning for the disciples. Because you cannot be spirit-filled and spirit-led if you're spiritually sleeping. And he says, it's time to wake up. It's time to go. It's time to grow in me. And Jesus could persevere towards victory because he already knew he would be victorious. He already could see the end result. And that was his hope. He could persevere through temptation, through being in agony. He could persevere through watching his own disciples slacking. He could persevere through betrayal, being mocked, being spit upon, being beaten. He could go through the pain and suffering of the cross. He could go through all of that because he had hope. But not only because Jesus had hope, it was because Jesus is hope. And hope never dies. And when you persevere, you persevere towards victory because there is hope at the end. And if Jesus could do it, he could persevere through it, and his spirit lives in you and I, then you and I can too. Could you say amen to that? We can do it. We can do it. Let's pray together. You can close your Bibles. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for not just setting an example, but you actually paid the price for our sin and modeled for us how to persevere towards victory. You, you didn't just persevere for the sake of saying, I can do this, I got it. No, you, you struggled with it. You went through an, a season of agony and suffering and pain, but you persevered through every single moment because there was hope at the end. But it didn't just happen, Lord. For 30 years before you started your public ministry, you sat with your father. You were able to go with God. You learned. You received. And you grew in wisdom and in stature. So, Lord, help us to do the same. Every day is a battle, every moment can be a battle but we can overcome and conquer everyday battles as we persevere towards victory, all because of you and your spirit. So fill us with your spirit. Lead us with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen. Amen.